The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go! You're wasting time! Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, theories, discussion and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John and Frank. Fun fact, last week we opened the show saying welcome to Pottercast 276. Little tidbit. We are still bad at numbers. That was 275. Ay, 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 ay. This is 276. Welcome to Pottercast 276, we think, probably. Yeah, it's like we would have got this down by now, right? We've only done this 276 plus times, so. <laughs> How many episodes do we have? Because there's extras and tours and lots of other stuff. I don't know, but there is definitely a lot. There's a lot. I've been going through some of our old files. Anyway, welcome to Pottercast. I am Melissa. And I am Frack. And we don't have a John this week. <laughs> no, Noe. Oh, we wow. Kick- that's interesting. No, no. No, Noe. <gasps> and no, having no Noe is a no Noe. Frankie. <laughs> Welcome to the Noelist Pottercast. That was just too good for me not to seize. How are we going to make funny jokes? I don't know. We were pretty funny. Without, without. All right. All right. We'll see. What are we doing Um, this week? It's not going to be as funny without John. That's 100% Definitely true. Um, We are going to talk about some of the verbal, verbal, oh my gosh, verbal feedback we got. Audio clips you sent us. When is that called verbal? The audio. We're going to play. Thank you. The audio, the audio files that you have sent us regarding last week's discussion about straight washing and about the Johnny Depp thing that's going on. You and I are going to talk a little bit about Joe's response to all that because somehow all of that got lost in all this. Uh, And then we're going to continue our our Harry Potter reread because it's time for us to get back on a schedule. Chapters five and six. Chapters five and six. So Frankie, we recorded a whole podcast on this and the sound got a little screwy so potter yeah and it was around christmas like i was i was down in la so i was recording with john in the room it just didn't work out so um we've actually never recorded anything that's been published about our reaction to what jk rowling's reaction was to the furor over johnny depp's not his casting but it was what happened is his photo was shown as Grindelwald, and it was enough to remind people that they don't that like there him. are strong feelings about him being being Grindelwald. And her response was saddening. Yeah. To to I think all of us. Yeah, it really. Um, we were discussing it, and we were kind of thinking, like, okay, it feels as though one of two things happened like either like she's towing the party line which seems very out of character for jk rowling or she legitimately feels like what she said and what she said in some of it we'd have to reread it we should we should look it up um yeah, i'll look it up oh cool thanks um it just it was a little like like, one was like, oh, she just said, like, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't she speak up her mind? She normally does. And then you, but then you use that logic, like, oh, she did speak her mind, but we just didn't like what we heard. And it's just kind of, conf- it's just, I think it's for me, at least, it's really confusing. Because, like, so she, yeah. I'm just confused by it. She said, 
When Johnny Depp was cast as Grindelwald, I thought he'd be wonderful in the role. However, around the time of filming his cameo in the first movie, stories had appeared in the press that deeply concerned me and everyone most closely involved in the franchise. Harry Potter fans had legitimate questions and concerns about our choice to continue with Johnny Depp in the role. As David Yates, longtime Potter director, has already said, we naturally considered the possibility of recasting. I understand why some have been confused and angry about why that didn't happen. The huge, mutually supportive community that has grown up and around Harry Potter is one of the greatest joys of my life. For me personally, the inability to speak openly to fans about this issue has been difficult, frustrating, and at times painful. However, the agreements that have been put into place to protect the privacy of two people, both of whom have expressed a desire to get on with their lives, must be respected. Based on our understanding of the circumstances, the filmmakers and I are not only comfortable sticking with our original casting but genuinely happy to have Johnny playing a major character in the movies. I've loved writing the first two screenplays, and I can't wait for fans to see The Crimes of Grindelwald. I accept that there will be those who are not satisfied with our choice of the actor in the title role. However, conscience isn't governable by committee. With the fiction, within the fictional world and outside it, we all have to do what we believe to be the right thing. I haven't read this in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is as confounding to me as it was here's here's where it bre- well there there are a couple of places where it breaks so she says a couple of different ways that she this is not this is not just about legal agreements this is a, a, or about that she can't replace him she says a couple of different ways that she that she is completely fine with it yeah which is one of two things it is either that she knows some great piece of information that the public doesn't that is that is exonerating of Johnny Depp or she doesn't feel whatever happened is enough to merit um action and mm. then our reaction is based on that right so like if it's one if she knows this great piece of information i don't know that that's enough for us to just go okay and i don't know that like, you know, we're Harry Potter fans. This is Harry Potter fans. Harry Potter is about fighting against totalitarianism. And this is not totalitarianism. But the idea that you should just take what people in authority tell you without question is very anti the spirit of Harry Potter. So I can't imagine that J.K. Rowling herself would even say that Harry Potter fans shouldn't be wrong to argue with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. She says, for me, the inability to speak openly to fans is has been difficult, frustrating, and at times painful. However, the agreements that have been put into place to protect the privacy of two people must be respected. You know, she she says this is not about agreements, but then does say that it is about agreements. So Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't notice that before. Yeah. This arg this the this paragraph says the I want to talk to the Potter fans more about this, but there are agreements stopping me from doing so. That's what that says. Yeah, it totally does. How? But then she goes on to say that it's not just agreements, but that she genuinely believes that it's okay for him to be playing this role. So here's a little thing about the Amber Heard reaction to all of this. Mm-hmm. Amber Heard re-upped the full statement that she and Johnny Depp legally agreed to make about their breakup. In that statement, so David Yates and and um, um, David Heyman quoted from that's that statement, but they quoted a very small portion of it. They, I think, they quoted from uh, something about our our relationship was was tumultuous, but always based in love, and they wish the best for each other. Amber Heard pointed out that they didn't quote the whole statement and the whole statement said neither party lied for financial gain. If you look for earlier on, Depp's party was claiming that she was lying or had cooked up these photos of herself with with a, with a bruised face and had done all this fabrication to get money out of him. So now they've published a legal document that says that she didn't lie. I, even if she lied, the, she, they've both agreed to to the public line that she didn't lie. That means that they've both agreed that he hit her. I, yeah, I mean, or at least some way cause that damage to happen, which is inevitably is the same thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, there there are pictures of stuff written on their art in the walls in blood because of suppose who know who knows who knows what all that is. But 
if we if we accept the agreements that they have made with each other, which part and parcel of which are that Amber Heard did not lie, then that means that it's an accepted fact that he did that to her face and the other things. So how are we squaring that with J.K. Rowling being genuinely happy to have Johnny play a major character in the movie? Unless he's like, and I hate to even like, unless he's just like a big like schmoozer, like if he can just like he has that like effect on people that he can just kind of like charm them. Maybe like she's just under that spell, for lack of a better word, if it's just so confusing. It's very confusing. The The line of it that I'm really, really upset me is, um, and again, like, I still love Joe. I still love Jake. I love Harry Potter. This is not changing that at all. We can, we can be confused and upset by something without, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's part of growing up in life as a whole. And yeah. us doing this right now is part of our process of like, like coming to terms with it. I guess that's a little more dramatic than I mean it to sound, but like, processing it is part of it especially with someone like like jk rowling like i really respect her a lot and so for someone that i love who's very talented and who has i would i would say a high moral fiber and standard it's mm-hmm. a little confusing to be like oh okay so this is happening yeah no it's it's true i mean so here's the line that's really messing me up and tell me if you feel the same conscience isn't governable by committee do you think that's true? Um, see, I think there are two sides to it. I think that there is one side of like, if you're coming from the standpoint where you believe in there is something that is objectively true, like we know for like murder is bad. That is an objective statement. Like there's no good reason to murder someone in cold blood, like not kill murder. You know what I mean? Like that is bad. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in that, co- if if she's speaking to the standard of, like, there's this, like, objective, capital T, truth that should not be compromised, then huge thumbs up. Because that's great. But then, but the compromise that I wouldn't want to happen is the fact that, like, oh, someone's being abused and then being punished for being abused. Like, that's something that yeah. I do not think should be in that standard. But I don't think she's saying that. And so I, I bring that up first to be like, I would see that would be the only line of defense for a statement similar to that. But I don't understand. I don't. This yeah, whole, I, it just, I, it's yeah. a weak, it's a weak defense. And so like, you know what I mean? Like, uh. I, I think about the way value systems are created in people. And I think they are committees. I learn from people that I'm around, I learn about diversity, I learn about gender, I learn about lives that aren't my own, and my conscience on all of those things has changed. I learn about privilege. It has absolutely my conscience about my privilege, 100%, has changed by learning about other people's experience. You know what? Books can be the committee by which you learn things too. Uh, Maybe there is a version of that statement, this is me trying to be optimistic, so... Maybe I'm not being objective, but maybe there's a version of that statement where like, like privilege is a great one that you bring up. Because for me, that was something that it was a really hard time for me to wrap my mind around. Like I'm embarrassed. I'm not mm, embarrassed is the wrong word. Like I'm glad I understand it to the degree that I do now. I'm still learning new things about it every, like every Mm -hmm. day, especially in today's culture. Um, And so Maybe there's a version of that where she's speaking from the view that some like of the person who is um, enlightens too strong of a word, but knows. You know what I mean? Like I can't. I don't come from a, a place of authority on this matter. So maybe that's a general statement as to be like, like even though if like if there were 500 Nazis and three Jewish people. Just because they're like the Nazis out, what out like outnumber the Jewish people, like they you can't the 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 conscious of committee there would be wrong. You know what I mean? Because that's bad. So maybe there's a version of that. Or am I doing too much of a stretch? I think she's trying to say I can't change my mind because you all want me to. I think that's what she's oh, saying. But the the that's f- interesting. phrase 
conscience isn't governable by committee seems to me to be wrongheaded. To be what? Wrongheaded. Like I don't think it. I don't think it leans in the right direction. I don't think it. It makes. Well, I mean, I didn't. My brain didn't go to that like thought line of thought until you said it, and well, so I'm like, oh, what she says that is, makes sense. yeah. What she says is the the line before it is, I accept that there'll be those who are not satisfied, however, our conscience isn't governable by committee. So she's saying, like, you may not all like this, but I'm standing by my choice and it doesn't my conscience is unaffected. And then the line, even the line after it, within the fictional world and outside it, we all have to do what we believe to be the right thing. I don't know what that means. None of us are in a fictional world. And people <laughs> in fictional worlds, by definition, don't do the right things, or we'd have no conflict. So <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> so, do you <laughs> wait, Melissa? No one. I'm not in a fictional world. What did I sign up for? I'm just kidding. That was a fun statement. <laughs> uh, we have to do. What we believe to be the right thing, but like I don't know. Are, there's plenty. I can think of plenty of fictional characters that do what they know is wrong, but do it anyway because they want to. So it's true. You yeah. know, like Voldemort's one. Mm. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I guess Voldemort thought it was right, but you know what I yeah. mean. Um, anyway, it's a weird statement, and it's just not... I do like that, what you say, though, there, though. Like, I can see... I can see someone who's just good with words, stumbling over, making something sound like, oh, versus clear. Not that... I, I think she's a, I, she's a I've clear... I've done it. She's a clear communicator for the most part. Yeah, you know... This is the weirdest statement. This is so weird. She is usually so much more searing and concise than concise this. Concise is a perfect word. I like that. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, but I do like that that is a line, like that's a, that's an interesting observation. And, and if she says, to me, that is so less damaging than the other way if that was just her way of saying like you guys can't get me to change my mind if that's all that meant like there's this book called uh palandria by c.s lewis and it's like it he is a space trilogy and on the sec in the uh -huh. second book um this the main character goes to a planet that's still in it's like garden eden phase quote unquote, quote unquote it's like it hasn't fallen and so the like the devil character is tempting the Eve type character. And at one point, this character kind of finds her wearing clothing. And this character shouldn't wear clothing because blah, blah, blah. And But the distinction in the book, the character was like, oh no, like he got to you. Like you're ashamed of yourself and you're covering yourself. You don't need to be ashamed. But when he talked to the mm -hmm. character, the character was all like, oh no, it just looked pretty. And then it was just kind of like, and the distinction was like, oh, the difference between vanity and shame can make all the difference type of thing. I just thought it was an interesting right. distinction. And what you did there with that sentence, it kind of divided it in my head again. Like, oh, I mean, if she meant that, that's so much more emotionally less complex for me <laughs> to process. <laughs> for me, I find it a little um, like um, patronizing. Oh. And I hate even saying yeah. that. I, It's a little... Um, it's a little... Like telling, it's one thing to say how I explained it to you, which is, I, you guys can't get me to change my mind. It's another thing to say that it's not possible to influence a person's conscience by mm -hmm. a group of people pressuring. That's absolutely possible. It happens all the time. It's how we make change in this world. And it's so demoralizing to see J.K. Rowling, who we look up to so much, saying things like that so i'm so is this gonna be one of these things i'm also back on this the agreements must be respected so he was filming his cameo when these stories started to come out so unless so there was nothing in the in his contract with the studio because they didn't know about well, it he was already filming so she's not a party to these agreements this agreement is between him and his and his ex-wife and jk rowling is not bound by them she will she is choosing to be bound by them and where nobody's asking for her to dish the details but to hide behind that is a little disingenuous you know yeah um i'm sure there are um like i'm sure they knew he was going to be in the movie well they knew in the cameo but i'm sure like there are 
things in place that because she's her role on the film is not just the writer, like being producer and oh, everything. Sure. There, there's got to be like, you know, cotton. And you work in movies tape, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. so, you know, like it's like it's like disparagement and there's plenty of clauses. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but saying like, oh, it's the agreements when it's not actually the I, I don't know. Maybe it must be a disparagement clause, you know, yeah. like. And a, a non-disparagement clause, which I I get, but it's oh, it's all just this is frustrating. You know what? And I don't. I rem- like when you read that one line again about um, the consciousness thing. Um, conscience. Do you want the whole paragraph or just just that, that line? line. Uh, conscience isn't governable by committee. It that to me sounds so much, and I hate that I'm even going to say this sentence. Uh oh. Like something Umbridge would say. I know. I'm so like, sad about Like, honestly, this. it sounds like something like progress for the sake of progress. Da, 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 da. That I would be Ron or Harry in this situation yeah, going like, uh-huh. And then Hermione had to be like, yo. <laughs> like, you know what she really said? She said yo, this. No. It's like, oh, what? <laughs> right. Right. And that's so crazy to be thinking that about something that J.K. Rowling said. And it feels so wrong. Like conscience isn't governable by committee it is though we learn by listening to others and the experience of those we have not lived and it influences their decision making which is our conscience or is part of our conscience or whatever you know i don't i'm yeah i so confusing so we've gotten we've gotten approximately nowhere (laughs) (laughs) but but um, we we both agree that this is a confusing and not very J.K. Rowling-ish statement. And um, and we thought we'd bum you all out, too. Yeah, you bummed with us. <laughs> the world is terrible. Everything, all, all your childhood idols are crumbling. It's all fine. No, she's not crumbling. She's, she's not, still J.K. Rowling. No. She's still an incredible storyteller. She's still wonderful. And just like we talked about uh, in that podcast a while ago with the, the Twitter stuff, like, it's okay to disagree with someone you yep. love and care for. Like that is how we exist on this planet. And that's how we have these conversations. You know what I mean? Cause like, if you're not being civil with each other, like if I'm not going to treat you with respect, why are you going to treat me with respect? You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. so someone has to make the first step. And so like, it's okay to disagree with people. It's just, Sad. It's almost like good practice. Like, <laughs> let's start getting used to disagreeing with each other without having to burn them down and be done with them. It's honestly, yeah. And then I, I was talking to a friend the other day, and she said something really, really interesting. We were talking about the whole like Harvey Weinstein culture and stuff like that, and like how like it's great. And she said she said something like like the next step is kind of like learning, like learning to acknowledge like the repentance the people have in it you know like like if the people are, who have been accused or come forward and it was just something i i don't even fully understand what she meant yet but i thought it was it was such a humble approach to like like yes this is a horrible thing but basically she was asking like what's the next step like and i was just like whoa that's such a great question to ask but anyway. yeah uh the next step is we we keep making our voices heard and understand that the world is complex and try to do what we can to raise the voices of the voiceless keep going yep it was just i just i liked i was like that's an interesting observation and thought all right well now since we've been talking about johnny depp let's hear what you guys had to say when you sent us your johnny depp related and straight washing related clips uh we'll we'll cut to that now please we love hearing from you so this is an open invitation after every single episode send us a little voice recording at staff at podcast.com some of you sent us emails that's great and we might read it on the air if something particularly strikes but we are only for now doing audio files so if you're listening to this podcast you probably have a phone that records uh we can also provide a phone number eventually again like we used to in the old days oh, that's Remember right that? i used to leave used messages to, yeah. on that yes oh my god that's crazy um so we will see you after that to talk about chapters five and six of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone hey, uh... oh miles here bit early for mail isn't it but i i never get mail Let's open it. 
The mail's here. Thanks. Hello, all. Um, my name is Mitch, and I'm a longtime listener. Um, in regards to the straight washing or whatever you want to call it with um, Dumbledore um, and Grindelwald, I think that we are forgetting something. Um, we have always praised J.K. Rowling on her. Uh, talent and style and the way she leads into things and gives you a little bit but doesn't hit you upside the head with it Um, and even things that we didn't know about that were in um, the first book and didn't get revealed what they truly were until the last book and then you're like oh my gosh that's amazing I love the way she connects things and that was an amazing plot twist but now because we are true fans and look for the little details and we already know that Dumbledore is gay now we want it to come out in the second movie and just be bam here you go even though it's an amazing plot twist if you would take yourself out of it and think of somebody who's new who doesn't know the Harry Potter books who doesn't know all the inside information and is watching the movies for the first time and watches Grindelwald be revealed in the first one and then you know you kind of see maybe hints that there might be something different between Harry and Grindelwald but you can't quite put your finger on it to oh my gosh they were lovers and in a relationship that's an amazing plot twist so why are we ridiculing or being negative towards something that we loved about the first series why are we switching to I, I don't know. I just don't understand. The, this is something that we loved about the series, and now we're like, no, give it to me all. I want to see a sex scene in the second movie. I, I just, I'm sorry. I love J.K. Rowling for who she is, and her style is amazing, and I don't want her to change that. And I think that's an amazing, that is a huge plot twist to somebody who's new to the series, and we should let it unveil the way J.K. Rowling intends to unveil it. Thank you guys, and. Hope you value my input. Hey, Pottercast. Uh, my name is Jesse, and I've been a big fan of the show for so long. And um, when I was listening to your last uh, podcast about the straight washing, the thing that I thought of when you were talking about Credence and how he seemed to be gay, and then now they might be making him straight, is that he could be possibly bi. Um, as a bi person myself, I think we're particularly underrepresented in all media. Um, it seems like you have to be straight or you have to be gay and you can't be in that middle zone. And maybe he is bi, maybe it gets explained. I doubt it will because so far any sort of um, homosexuality is just pretty much straight wash, like you said. But um, it's just that's an idea that I thought of. Uh, love you guys so much. Thank you. Hi, Pottercast. My name's Sean and I'm a gay listener. I wanted to send this message in response to your discussion of David Yates' comments about Dumbledore not being explicitly gay in the upcoming Fantastic Beasts sequel. I have to say, I really wasn't expecting it to be very explicit anyway. I understand that there are plenty of LGBTQ plus Potter fans who are tired of hearing that they'll get to see something of themselves represented in a franchise that they love and it hasn't come yet. But no one ever told us that they were definitely going to see Dumbledore in any kind of romantic or sexual situation in the second film. Do I think that Yates probably could have chosen a better way to word his answer to the question that started all this? Yes, I do. But before that interview, no one ever said we would see Dumbledore with a boyfriend or anything like that. I absolutely agree with the points you all made that Dumbledore's feelings for Grindelwald are definitely relevant to this story and will need to be addressed before the end of these five films. And in her answer to the question of Dumbledore's sexuality after the first film, J.K. Rowling said that there's a lot to unpack in their relationship, and she also said to watch this space, which to me means that she's at least trying to give it the time and attention she feels it deserves, rather than writing it sloppily and risk presenting homosexuality in an insensitive or inappropriate manner. The only thing that would upset me about the crimes of Grindelwald would be if, as I believe Melissa said in the previous episode, there are opportunities in the film where the subject seems appropriate to be addressed and it is instead skipped over. But for that, I'll just have to wait and actually see the film. 
Hey Pottercast, this is Peg Zisman from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, so I identify as uh, an openly lesbian individual, and I have to admit that when I heard the news about the next Fantastic Beast story potentially not having any representation of Dumbledore's sexual identity, I'll admit I felt pretty heartbroken. But reading between the lines of what was said, I kind of get the vibe that they actually are going to be hinting at it and to think that something is not going to be explicitly uh, shown means that it could be more subtly (laughs) shown. And I feel like a lot of LGBT people are pretty good at reading queer subtext, which is not the ideal we would prefer more explicit text uh but i i my gut tells me that there's going to be something more explicitly done if not obviously in this movie then definitely in the future but but i do feel pretty confident that there's going to be some more subtle things uh seen in this next film chapter five diagonally diagonally we agree oh that was nice we're gonna need Summaries. How's how's it coming with your friend doing summaries? I need to talk her into it. She's shy for some reason. So yeah, I want it to happen because she's so funny. (sighs) I'm gonna make it happen. All right, all right. Well, I'm glad we're back into this, and I'm glad we're back in a schedule. And podcasts will be coming out regularly from now on. And if you would like to support the show, please do so at Patreon.com/slash Podcast. And with that cute little ad, we're gonna go right into Diagon Alley. Diagon Alley. So, Frankie, how do you pronounce the wizarding cur- currency with a K? Knuts? I always just said nuts. Well, I'm saying knuts because I probably heard it in the films first because I didn't I didn't read the books until after the third film came out. Did they say knuts in the book in the movie? Oh, I'm just saying like I am a horrible reader and I pronounce things wrong all the time. So the fact that I got it right is more to the fact that I probably heard it in the audiobook. Or saw it in the movie before. Because, like, I would have definitely went, like, oh, that's nuts because it's a silent K, like a knife. But I don't know that it's, like, I think when things are fictional, the, the pronunciation's up to you. That's why people can say Voldemort or Voldemort. You know, like, J.K. Rowling calls it Voldemort. So, like, when somebody is a, a real person, um, they they can tell you how to pronounce their name. But in fiction, you should be allowed to pronounce it however you want. So J.K. Rowling pronounces Voldemort Voldemort. She always has. I think in later years, she started saying Voldemort because everybody's been saying, everybody's saying Voldemort. But if you go to the early, she says Voldemort. So, but she's never said like, that's the proper pronunciation. So I think, Frank, if you want to say Knuts, Nuts, Newts, Knuts, it's whatever you want. I mean, for me, like, I guess the one thing that I like... (laughs) The pronounce of GIF and JIF. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, to me, that ship sailed. And so even though the fact that, like, normally it's so weird because normally, like, I'm a staunch, like, if the author says it's this way, this person created it, imagined it. It's their baby, their brain baby. So I will respect their decision to use this pronunciation. Boom. But are you going to start saying Voldemort now? I don't really do say Voldemort. Oh, Voldemort. Voldemort. Ah, Voldemort. I probably say Voldemort. There you go. Um. But it's the T. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, but I'm just saying, like, in my head, I'm like, I'm like, no, no, I'm a purist. It's about the, what the creator says. But then the guy who made gifts or gifs, as he wants to call them, I'm like, my brain's like, <laughs> nobody. That ship sailed so long ago. It is a, it's a gif. I say gifs. I say gif. I say gifs. Actually, I say both, and I do it pretty randomly just to annoy people <laughs> because it's such a stupid argument. It is I'm so tired. Yeah. So done with the art. So I'll just say it just to make sure that one person in the room always will go, eh, you say GIF? Oh my God, you say GIF? Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Harry thinks that he's dreaming because since he, because a big giant came and was going to take him away to school and he's sure that it's all a crazy dream. But when he wakes up, he's still there. He's still with Hagrid. There's an owl pecking, trying trying to be, to be paid. And Hagrid informs him that they are going to head over to Diagon Alley. Diagon Alley. Before he does, he says that he flew. Do we think he used the motorbike? He did. Yeah. Where's the motor? Where is the motorbike now? Wait, didn't he use the motorbike? That's my question. 
He said, ha- Harry says, how did you get the- get here? And Hagrid says, flu. And he says, but we'll go back in this, meaning the boat, not supposed to use magic now that I've got you. I don't think he used the motorbike. Where did the motorbike go? His pocket. And he used magic to fly. The motorbike, he wouldn't have technically had to use a wand. So what? how did Hagrid get there is my question. He can't apparate because he's, well, I don't know. Can he? Oh, you know what? Maybe. Can Hagrid apparate? But I mean, he wouldn't say fly if he apparated. Right, exactly. I could say, and so I would he, say like I, I'm, I'm very, I'm uh, very he sh- pr- sure he can't apparate. <laughs> so Hagrid, big old Hagrid, used a broom. Oh, it says, and broom. it's in his coat someplace. No, I don't. It doesn't say that, but that's it, right? That must be it. That's how they fly. Yeah, but I mean, I don't ever see Hagrid being on a broom. I know what broom can hold Hagrid. That's interesting. Oh, the things you find. Uh, I am going to start making a running tally of the things we find in the books that were were given to Hermione as lines. Ooh, do that. Movies. Because that is because so disappointing. They take so much away from Ron in the films. Right here, chapter five, spells, enchantments. Remember when she says that? Yeah. That line is spells, enchant- enchantments, says Hagrid. And it has nothing, what Hermione says it in the movies that it's it's not technically the same way, but spells enchantments is just literally it's a very minor first one i'll say (laughs) when they talk it's when they're talking about the seven rooms below the school oh she goes spells enchantments anyway i see yeah yeah, yeah, to protect it anyway well one of the things that i that really stood out to me is we start getting into when we're jk rolling her juxtaposition starts continue happening so um, the wizarding world is just full of contradictions to the muggle world. It's all over the place. It's everything is opposite. So they get to the pub and Hagrid says, here it is. It's a famous place. And it looks like the most unfamous place that possibly could be, mm. you know? And these these kinds of Harry's and we are starting to learn that the magical world is like the negative image of the muggle world. Of the muggle world, yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, grubby little, or not grubby, but overlooked Harry is famous. The grubby little pub is a really famous place. The, you know, there's piles of gold underneath London, underneath London just sitting there waiting for him when he thinks he's a poor orphan. Yeah, yeah. Especially for Harry. Um, Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Especially for Harry. It's, it's the complete inverse for him individually. Yeah, absolutely. Being in an environment where no one likes him, now an environment where everyone is fixated on him. And he knows nothing. He knows nothing about why. He knows nothing about them. He, I mean, that's not different than his muggle world, but it is overwhelming. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what I really, just to jump off, like, I'm just so impressed with um, the wand stuff at the end. Like with Olive towards the end, when Ollivander's talking about um, the whole like, oh, of course, the wand chooses you. Like we heard that for so long and just the plan that she had for that at the end was just so like without this chapter, the end is would be totally different. You know what I mean? Like if this chapter yeah. wasn't in the books, like it, it's different. It's not like be, it's Harry used he realized he had to trick the gun. He didn't even trick the gun. Like, the safety of the gun was on. You know what I mean? And so it yeah. killed Voldemort instead of him. And so without that concept, he would have had to have gotten his hands dirty. You know what I mean? Like, killed somebody. Like, maybe. If he would have killed Voldemort. Um, and, like, the stuff when... Um, oh, yeah, that's 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 what I got excited about. Ollivander talks about his mom. And how like oh she that this this wand da, 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 is great for charm work. And then we fast forward to book six. Well, actually, films the movie six. I've said this in the past. Like I love, 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 love that sequence with Harry, Hagrid, and Slughorn when they're like drinking in Hagrid's uh, after they bury Aragog. I mm-hmm. love the story they they made up for uh, Lily about having that fish like the 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 flower that turned into a fish. And then the day that her she died, the fish was gone. Just before it reached the bottom, it's transformed to a wee fish, to beautiful magic. Like, that is just a beautiful story that conveys a lot 
you know, in a short amount of time, which is brilliant for screenplays. Um, and like the fact that like it, it was so intuitively added, because if you look back, like he just talks about how like there's a chapter in the first book about how like, oh, his, her mother was your mother was great with charm work. And that was such a like intricate charm spell. Like it was just. Yeah. I love that part. One of the notes that I made on this chapter was that this 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 chapter kind of sets up the entire series. <laughs> I mean, he meets he meets Malfoy, and in the very first minute, never mind the train. In the very first minute, they are fated to be complete enemies. Yep, you know, like, and I love that it's just his personality. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, like the more like there's a line like the more he talked to him, the less he liked him. And I was just like, <laughs> like, well, he said he was strongly reminded of Dudley. Yeah. Which is like the most damning praise Harry knows how to give at that point in his life. He does. That's that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Um so so yeah, the whole the whole of the books, the how he became friends with the Weasleys instead, the fight at the end of book 7, the little tussle, the you know, the, the wand lore, everything. It's like this is one of this is maybe the most important chapter in the, all the books yeah i mean we meet coral we see like you know and that's pre-voldemort being attached to him yeah um, and he's just i always forget that somehow i think that voldemort is still is still i i've gotten that confused in my head for a long time but no voldemort it's not there on the pub that day it's so well written because like when you in hindsight you're like who would suspect you don't think to think quarrel because the scar the, the like the scar hurting wouldn't happen then you know what i mean and then and it's so right. great to know like with the whole like we had to see the stone there they take the stone away and the fact that it failed at rescuing the stone is what made voldemort punish him and like like possess him because he failed at right that. and so it's just like ugh, sorry this is good for me to remember, like, all the positive, magnificent yes. things about Joe because she's yes. an amazing writer. And so no, it's really insane. <laughs> the, 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 and I don't, I don't just want us to be like, ah, this is so great. But it really it is great. <laughs> I, you understand why anybody who was really looking at this manuscript when they got it was like, huh. Yep. Somebody, even not knowing anything about the rest of the story, it is just well crafted and you can tell that you're in the hands of somebody who knows what the hell they're doing but also one of the most important things about Voldemort not being attached to him at that point is that Harry's scar doesn't hurt because he gets up and he shakes his hand Yeah. if he had tried to shake his hand when Voldemort was attached to him because he doesn't touch him once he is that would have been a pretty big giveaway that something was wrong really early in the book so yeah and that's what the I was way just, that she's, yeah. That's what I was just saying. Like, just the fact that, like, we had that sequence. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking about work. That chapter. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have that chapter where you establish so much and you just give the character an alibi. You know what I mean? So when you, if you do go through, you're like, oh, what about him? Like, well, it doesn't, he didn't, he was able to, like, he doesn't hurt like he does when around Snape because we didn't understand the scar thing very much then at all. You know, we just knew like, oh, the scar hurts and he gave yeah. you the scar, blah, 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 blah. Right. But it would have been a foreboding moment. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so, so clearly she, you know, yeah, too much of a tip off. Yeah. And it was so just th- so smart that she was able to have her cake and eat it too with Quarrel. You know what I mean? Like really good. Writing. Yeah. This chapter introduces Harry to the magical world, introduces him to the idea that he has a fate and a destiny, introduces to him to the idea that he is actually great, not a small forgotten orphan from you know the middle of england but actually really significant and important it sets him up with one of his main foils it sets it has him beat the villain of this book besides voldemort on and sets up the wand lore that is the complex web of structure that carries you through to the final pages of book seven all in this chapter yeah it's a huge chapter Yikes. I also, did you, the first, and I'd say this patting myself on the back, not patting myself on the back because I feel like it was fairly well telegraphed, but the first time I read this book, as soon as Hagrid starts talking about you'd be mad to try and rob Hogwarts, I knew that in the end, somehow, they would be 
trying to rob Hog- to to ro- not Hogwarts Gringotts. You'd be mad to try and ro- rob Gringotts. Oh yeah, that was something else that like I didn't think that uh, until we started when it wasn't until we were uh, we were talking about how the books mirror each other like they fold in half like one and seven two and six five and three Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it wasn't until that that i was like oh my gosh uh that i noticed that but i did note when when i was uh reading it today or listening to today i was like this is like that comment is so loaded and knowing because especially when you when you know you're like they're totally going back here and he sees that damn dragon yeah. Seven books. You <laughs> had to try and rob it. Oh, okay. Plot point. Like, yeah. it's, it's gonna happen. Yeah, and even but, like, oh, did Harry see a dragon? Oh, he couldn't tell because it was going too fast. I'm like, yeah, tell. you did. Now you did. It's we're coming back. And this is the kind of things I want to just like sit down with her and go over every line and be like, okay, when did you when did you know that that was gonna happen? And when did you know that that you know? Yeah. See, for me, uh, I want to know how much of it was like, oh, she got an idea and she planned it. Or how much versus how much when she was writing that she discovered these things in the weeds. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, like with me, when I draw and when I'm we're dealing with story, sometimes I can only tackle the problem when I'm in it, actually doing it. And then I'm like, oh, this is what the character would do. Versus like, but then there are sometimes I'm like, I want this to happen, and you kind of have to like engineer it. And so like every once in a while, I'll, like there's a plenty of times on like there's jokes on sitcoms that are just so well done that I'm like, that had to have been a discovery versus yeah. uh, someone writing it. Oh, you want Ollivanders? They ain't no place So Ollivander, how do we feel about Ollivander in this? Is he good? Is he bad? Is he... I always kind of felt like he was going to be a little bit more sinister than he ended up being in the full balance of... The books. It's hard for me to talk about Ollivander too objectively because I love him so much. Why? Like Why do you love him so much? He's just one of my favorite characters. Like, I love how ethereal he is. And I love, love, like, if I had to be in the wizarding world, if I had to pick a job, I would want to be a wand maker. Like, I love that each wand is unique and that he understands the nuance between the ingredient, the wizard, and the wood. You know what I mean? Like the fact that like right. you're like by the, how it just behaves differently between each people. It's just kind of like each wand is a little personality test, like a Myers-Briggs for everybody. But there's only there's not like, oh, you can be an IFJ, INFJ with me. It's just like this is who this is. This is for you. Like it chose you like that. She seems so and it almost seems more like like shepherding than it does like raising, like creating something. It's just kind of like you're you're providing the conditions for these things to happen, but you don't have a hand in it because it's bigger than you. I think right. that's awesome. And he's Ravenclaw, which is cool. Oh, he's like missed, he's like Mr. Ravenclaw. Yeah. And so Andy has a cool little shop. And I like how I like how he's kind of ambiguous. Because he does come off a little different. Like to me, like I forgot that he I love that he because I remember him being kind of like weird and kind of cold, I love that he addressed Hagrid so warmly. Oh, Hagrid, da 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 da. Like he's not he's not one of those people that looks down on Hagrid, right? You know what I mean. And I could definitely see him because he's I I right. in my head he's right. a smart character, like he's smart. Yeah, but then he says this thing like we must expect great things from you. This kid's an eleven year old kid that just ended. Your <laughs> lay off the doom and gloom. Oh, I think we he's expect- weird he for sure. Weird. But like yeah. <laughs> because he's the type of person that. Goes up to an 11-year-old and be like, hey, I made the gun that killed your mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm giving you one that's sort of like it. And Here's it's one fine. I also made that night. It's also, yes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so this gun is just like the murder weapon that killed my parents? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Okay. This is not weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see Harry going like, just just like i hate i hate 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 one of my one of the things okay the first thing i hate about the movies in in general is just how what they did with matt i moody i hate him but the next (laughs) thing is voldemort's wand i think it's cool that they thought it'd be cool like ooh, let's make the wand out of a femur but like why the (laughs) hell it's a femur look at it it. it's a femur yeah you're completely right like why the hell would olivander make a wand out of a human bone. I know. And then at the same time, you'd be like, hmm, 
Maybe we're going to keep an eye on this kid. Like, look at the wand. <laughs> just... Look at the wand that chose him. Like, the evil wand made of bone. Like, <laughs> I know. And it's made, it's not, and the thing is, it's not made of bone. It's made of wood. It doesn't, like, how did nobody say, you know what? This, I know it looks cool, but no, but no. Like, yeah, you're going <laughs> to give an 11 year old kid a wand made of bone and then nobody's going to keep an eye on him yeah see like for me like i would be completely and i honestly i am fine with it i get it it's a cool it's it's cool like fun it's fun it's fun yeah yeah but in my head it's just slightly like annoying because like i i hate when in movies and and books and storytelling when a character operates in a way that you haven't created them to like it's just incongruent with the logic of the world that you've created mm-hmm. and so like the fact that they made gave that like that was his boat that one when he was a kid no like no. if there's if i can maybe like if it was a one that he got when he like reformed and he needed a new one i'm like of course right. he's gonna be creepy and cool like that he's gonna go to like edgy.com and get like the creepiest wand ever edgy.com <laughs> is that a real thing? No, I hope not. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna check. Let's see what happens. Oh, careful, Melissa. That mm. sounds like it's all a right. There's no kids in my house. Search. Let's see. Oh, that's true. Let's see. It's taking a while to load. No, it's not. I don't think it's anything. <laughs> okay, we'll see. I was being silly. <laughs> I would be. I would laugh so hard if. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be crazy if what I was being glib about was real. Anyway, I do love Ollivander, though. But yeah, he definitely does. I I I, to- I definitely see where you're coming from. He definitely seems yeah. He's just creepy. a little, he's just a little, a little creepy and weird. And the movie thing, you know, you know they they even change, they even sort of overstate his whole um the way he found the wand. Like in the book, it's like, oh, I wonder, should I? Yeah, sure, why not? And it's not as ominous whereas in the movie he's like um curious what's curious and it's like like the lighting changes you know and it's yeah and honestly like that's one of the powers of film like because you the lighting the music the camera work all manipulates your emotional state you know what i mean like it's part of that story and so the fact that they they the the director wanted this to be creepy and weird. And I kind of get it because this kid, it's just his first time ever stepping into the wizarding world. Like, this is Harry's first time ever. Like, as a conscious being. Like, he was one and two. Like, but, you know, he doesn't remember right. that. Like, like this is his first time encountering this wonderfully odd universe. And so, I can see. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So, Harry pays seven galleons for his wand. And if you talk to Harry and the Potters about that, they'll tell you it makes no sense whatsoever. They have a whole song about it, about how unicorn hair is twelve galleons. How does how does Ollivander do it? It's we can, hey, we can have that conversation another time. The argument that we had we we discovered when we talked about that is it's not a full unicorn hair. He's probably a part of you. Yeah, and he probably sources it. Like he probably goes and gets them himself or they're a sign, yeah. like whatever. Anyway. Anyway. It's fun. It, 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 it makes a fun song, you know? Yeah, yeah um, for sure. So so that's that's our that's that's Diagon Alley, the whole introduction Ugh. to the Wizarding World, and we feel we get finally get a glimpse. That was one of the best things for me about that is that we finally get a glimpse behind the veil of this talk of this magic world, and we get to really sort of feast the way. And she's mm. so good at those descriptions where it's like piles of things that making you feel mm-hmm. like your your reading world is cluttered the same way that Harry's. It's, it's like when she talks about food and she just makes you like your mouth water just about all the things yeah, that yeah. Harry was taking in as he walked by gives you that ah that sense of of overwhelmingness. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just the the wonder, the the yeah, she definitely Yeah. She's such a good yeah. writer. So, um, because we had a bit at the beginning and it's been about, it's probably about the size of a podcast, I say we should probably go to the drums and do chapter six yeah. with John. And honestly, this is a huge chapter. Last time we recorded this, this happened too, because there's just so much to talk about in chapter five. It's a really big chapter. Yeah. So we'll be back 
for uh, chapter six next time. Oh yes. Um, so this is this is spoiler free. Yeah. Everyone should know that I am a massive spoiler phobe, and I hate it when people spoil things. Like, it, no, actually, you know, it's funny. This is very appropriate. Like, the reason that that started and that really cemented in me was when people spoiled. Um, book six for people like that was kind of like a thing to do like troll people in real life and like just spoil the ending of, of book six did like, you used to like spoil getting spoilers until no 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 i just it was just to me it was, i always just it was never weaponized in my head until i heard people say that do that gotcha to me i just figured like spoiler was just kind of like a like a it was almost like an earthquake you know like it, it was no malicious intent it's just something that happened that was unfortunate right like oh you got spoiled but then when people started like weaponizing it quote unquote like uh it really kind of cemented and now i get like i'm this like fierce protector of spoilers or of non-spoilers protector anyway. of spoilers okay black anyway, panther but there's this there's this great podcast called um black men can't jump in hollywood it is hosted by three um black guys and they talk about gonna get this probably wrong so i'm only gonna say the part i know for sure they talk about representation in hollywood for people of color and um the podcast they talk about black panther i'm it's like a two hour long podcast and it's brilliant so far i've only listened to half of it um but just there uh because we were talking about the whole gun control stuff and how like it's just mind-boggling and this was more of like a anecdote on a positive side, like, like not positive either because I'm just rambling at this point. But um, in the podcast, they talk about how excited they were to see this movie that had so much representation, so many powerful black men and women in it, um, and how like exciting that was for them. And to me, it was just like so humbling, like wow, like how is it that it's 2018 and this is just barely happening? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the same with this whole gun stuff. But like, but I do get there's a climate of change up front. But anyway. Well, there. Okay, so I. Mm, I want. That was it. I really, really, really want to see Black Panther, and I just haven't had. A, I haven't had. A moment. So. Yeah. This week. Make it happen when you can, because it was. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So everybody says it lives up to the hype. I got my movie pass. I'm. I'm ready to go. I just think to me, like, what's great about it, too, is it's just, like, the um, the craftsmanship of this film is just beyond. Like, it's just so much thought and design and production design and, like, went into this movie that it's just so casually addressed in the film. Like, like there, you'll see the Wakandan alphabet. Mm-hmm. Like, beautiful. Like, beautiful like it's just so well done i love it cool anyway so what's happening frankie this is fun it's like frankie uh, melissa corner we should do this more i know frankie melissa corner uh this weekend i'm going down to seattle to hear a podcast, podcast. live um it's a weird title so i if I tell you the title, it's gonna it's gonna be at least five minutes of me explaining it. Well, now so you sort of want have to. Hear to. Me. Are you sure? Yes. I'm just kidding. Um, I do need to explain it though because the title's funny, um, or quote unquote funny. Okay, the title of the podcast is called "My Dad Wrote a Porno." Cool. Yeah, and so what the podcast is is this guy in England. Um, discovered that his father, who's retired, I think he's in his late sixties, um, who on the podcast they co rock they they have they, they use the pen name uh, Rocky Flintstone, um, and he found these erotic novels that his father wrote, and they are like disturbingly hilarious, and so he gets together with his friend, and well his two friends, um, one guy one girl, and they discuss the podcast now if any of you out there has seen the movie uh the room with tommy Wiseau, melissa have you I've seen not. that movie? Is it good um that movie is a wonderful amazing experience because it is so horribly 
executed with such genuine fervor and earnestness and like it's not even like you don't you don't you don't feel bad for thinking it's bad because like people like it's just you need to watch it. honestly <laughs> okay, you should not, make an effort okay i'm going to try make an watch effort to weekend. watch the movie the room the, mo- the movie the, the room. room make an effort to find it watch it tommy wuso not the one that was nominated for academy award last year or 2 years ago um Oh, that guy. And so I use that. I use that as an example for this podcast. So any of you out there who has who've seen the movie The Room and you know what I'm talking about, like it's just like you. It's kind of like a train wreck where you can't look away. Mm-hmm. Um, but the benefit, no one's dying, so right. you know it's good. Um, and so it's just like it's so bad that it completely 180s, and it's an amazing listen. And so and the and with this one, like. The terms that this guy, her, his father uses, are like these clinical terms. They're not like arousing, sexy uh-huh. terms. And so, like, he's writing like, "Oh, then he went over there and grabbed her," and he would say like, uh, "I don't." If I said like clitoris, that's not cussing or anything. No, it's, but it's, it's a like, word. It's a word. And so, like, but like that, he uses like that kind of stuff. And then, like, the the, the girl on the podcast, like, uh, you can't do that. And it's just like. It's hilarious. And so some people from work got me listening to it. And then there, there's a live showing in Seattle. And so we're going to drive down fun. and go see Good. it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's completely frivolous and uh, it's a little silly. But it's Man, it is. And they refer to Harry Potter a Do lot. Do they really? So that's fun. It is such a crazy world to me where podcast tours and podcast live events are so common these days. When, when we were doing them, we were completely crazy to be doing them. Yeah, libraries. Libraries and borders, yeah. bookstores, and eating yeah. in the cars, and f- using merch money and free. to eat in the car. Yep, on the road for six weeks at a time. That was, man, we did that like three times. I did it twice, but you guys did it. Insane. Twice. Completely insane. Yeah. And now, you know, when we were your age, podcasters, when I was we had to <laughs> buy some bread and peanut butter at the grocery store and I still don't eat Subway because of our trip <laughs> to this day. Like the other day we walked it, like we walked by, there's a Subway de- like down the street from my apartment and they pump that like bread smell out constantly. Right. And I walked by it and I was like, nope. <laughs> and, like, and then my friends were like, let's go to Subway. I'm like, no, I'm good. They're like, why not? I'm like, I was, when I was on tour with my podcast back in the back day, in the day. Um, I just we used like and it was delicious at the time and super economical, but at this point where it's, I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I'll eventually get back to eating Subway because it's good food. It's just I'm sick of it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It's just so funny. It's such a it's such a uh, it's such a thing that people do like in style these days. They like get flown to their things. It's like you know because podcasts are so enormous now. Um, yeah. And I just, man, we gotta find some of our old videos just of in, being in the car and totally disgusted with each other and smelly <laughs> and John and me fighting and, you know, like the good old days of podcasting. But tour. honestly, like, those are some of my best Same. memories. It was such an awesome, amazing experience. The fact that, like, I can, it's just such a fun thing to have in your back pocket. Like, Maybe it's a little different for you because you work with a lot of people who know where you come from. Mm-hmm. But like with me, like especially when I was just a PA, and like PAs, we're told to be like, like seen and not like not even not to be seen or heard. You're just supposed to be part of the the room to make sure it works and everything like that. And and so like there's definitely like there's a, a, a cast system when it comes to studio work. And so, like, whenever it would come up, and I, I, they, everyone was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of a cool story to have." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I was a, I'm a podcast, I do a podcast, and, um, I went on a tour, and you know, I've got to travel a lot because of it. You know, no big deal, whatever." Found Hogwarts. Found Hogwarts. Finding Hogwarts. I need to watch that again. I haven't watched that in a bit. That was such an awesome trip. Yeah, as well. yeah. You can watch that. You can get such the DVD if you just look up find it, or get the DVD. Who buys DVDs anymore? You can get the download if you just go to funnyhogwarts.com. Yeah. Well, um, you can also help us get back to the those days of eating Subway in the car 
<laughs> by supporting <laughs> us. I don't know. I'm just saying things. Mm, anyway, so we would love to eventually do that again, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So tell your friends, tweet about us, all the things. Uh, get to us at pottercast.com. Support us at patreon.com slash pottercast. Send your voicemails and your thoughts and your emails and your everything uh, to staff at pottercast.com. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for uh, leaving your stuff in. Like I know that takes effort, and we really appreciate it. So thanks, guys. The next password. All right. Is so yeah. Should we go we back honestly, to that? We're gonna. We're just. We're gonna keep doing. Keep twiddling your dials. Next password is until you guys send us something that that we're we're all A like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yep. So twiddle our dials. Next password. Blah 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 blah. Is you're gonna have to suffer through that. Until you guys find a better one. Yeah, we're waiting on you. That gauntlet has been thrown. Thrown. Thrown down. And uh, what, uh, Adam is a new editor. Oh, yes. This show is edited by Adam Molina, who is a badass. So. Yes, he is. So thanks, Adam. And sorry if my volume keeps going weird, because for some reason I leaned into the microphone and I went, boom. So it's probably not good. All right. I think. And I think we're done here. I think so too. <laughs> that was nice. We missed it. W three. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great Scott, no wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. Dum 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 drums. That's my drums.